Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Hey, we're going to go ahead and jump in. We have got a lot of ground to cover today, but I can honestly say that I don't know that I've ever been more excited um, to bring what God has, has laid on our heart. Um, and as you know, if you've been coming, you know that today is the last um, of, our, of our three weeks about um, our strategies that, that, that God has laid on our heart to help us to saturate the world by making disciples. And so today we're gonna get the opportunity to unpack the very last one. If this is your first Sunday here, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the last two weeks, not because it's anything special I said, but I think it, it'll help you understand who God has called us to be here at Chestnut Mountain Church. I mean, it basically defines the direction that we're always gonna be walking and, and what we're gonna be doing. Um, but very simply stated, if you remember going back to the very first week, The first strategy that we talked about was the word belong. And we know that this is the heart of God, that we belong to God, but that we also belong to a family. And then the second word that we discussed last week was to become. And as a follower of Christ, I believe it's it's our desire, it's our calling that we help in the process of all of us becoming mature disciples of Christ. And then today we're gonna talk about my favorite one, and it is the word build. How as a follower of Christ, as a, as a Christian, as a disciple of Christ, how we are all called, now keep in mind, all, that doesn't leave anyone out, how we are all called to build the kingdom of God. And our call is gonna be for you as a follower of Christ to be a builder, to be a builder. And so with that being said, I want to talk about just a a couple of builders that are actually out building right now. Um, We just got word yesterday, you know, last week we mentioned, I think it was about 20 salvations that had taken place in Nepal through the ministry RU4 that we support. Um, We've got a a member of our church that's out there serving now, actually probably on their way home. Um, We've got a group that's leaving this Thursday. There's 18. There's two going from Chestnut Mountain, and then they're partnering with 16 from Free Chapel, and they will be headed out to Nepal this upcoming week. But I want to celebrate this morning because of these builders. There's been 121 people come to know Christ this past week in Nepal. And so that is because of your generosity and, and people who are willing to build the kingdom of God. And so it's exciting to see what all God is doing. But what I want to do first is I wanted to simply define the, the word build. And this is not rocket science, but I want us to understand it. The word build in the English language is defined this way. To construct by putting parts of material together, or another definition would be to make something stronger or more intense. When we look in the scripture, we see that that Paul used the metaphor of building to speak to Christians, to speak to followers of Christ, to speak to these disciples. 
And what Paul wants us to all understand is that if you've been, if you've been saved by the grace of God, we all have a responsibility to continue building the kingdom of God. And so Paul speaks this to the Corinthians. You don't have to turn there because this is not gonna be the, the heart of our text today. Um, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, listen to what Paul says. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. And so what Paul is telling these believers, he's saying, look, I've laid the foundation and you are his workers. That's what I wanna challenge you today is that the foundation has always been and it always will be Jesus Christ. The foundation has already been laid, but as a follower of Christ, what we are responsible for is to keep building on that foundation and to never stop building. And we talked about this building process last week when we looked into the Great Commission. One of the avenues, or not, not one, the only avenue for us to continue to build the kingdom is to do what the Great Commission says, do what Jesus commanded us to do. Go, baptize, and teaching them it's very simple. You go, you baptize, and then teach them my ways. You teach them what I have commanded you. And one of the commandments that we looked at last week was, was tough for, for me. It's tough for a lot of us. And one of the teachings that Jesus would always turn back to was Luke chapter nine, verse 23. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's tough. That is hard to do at times. But for a builder, if we're gonna follow what Jesus has commanded, guess what? It includes that. It, it includes denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him. And so the question that I wanna ask you today is this, is if we're following him, if we've denied ourselves, if we've taken up our cross, You've probably already discovered and realized that some of the places that Jesus is gonna lead you are gonna be some places that make you very uncomfortable. Can we all agree? Then when we're following Christ, he's going to lead us down paths that are very, very uncomfortable at times. But you see, the beauty of that is, is it's an opportunity for God to prove who he is. Because if he's leading us to something that's uncomfortable, guess what he has the opportunity to do? To do exactly who is, what his word says he can do, and he comforts. So if we weren't led into uncomfortable situations, would God ever have the opportunity to prove his comfort? And so as we follow Jesus, as we deny ourselves, as we take up our cross, and as Jesus leads us in the directions that will make us uncomfortable, all he's trying to do is teach and shape and mold us and help us discover that he is comfort, that he is comfort. And there's no doubt as, as a follower of Christ, if you're in here today and you've trusted Jesus, and as he calls you to follow him, as he leads you to places, he's gonna lead you to places that make you very uncomfortable comfortable. Guess what? Standing in front of you is very uncomfortable for me. I wanted to be a coach. It's just a whole lot easier to stand on the sideline and yell at people. 
That was a whole lot easier than this. But what I had to do is I had to deny myself. I had to take up my cross and I had to follow Jesus no matter what it cost. And so with that, all, all that being said, we, we mentioned that Paul uses this metaphor of, of building to speak to the church at Corinth. It was something that they could all relate to. Well, as I prayed this week, God began to, to remind me of something that we have shared here probably a year and a half ago. Um, but there's some scripture that he's, he's laid on our heart and some places that he has taken us that, that I think the way Paul was trying to minister to these Corinthians and trying to help them understand with this metaphor of being a builder, I'm hoping today that, that the Holy Spirit of God will use the scripture that he's laid on our heart to connect with you the way Paul was connecting with the church at Corinth. And so we're gonna be looking in two Old Testament books today. We're gonna be looking in the book Haggai and we're gonna be looking in the book of Ezra. And what I gotta do before we even jump into that is I kinda have to give you a, a high level of history here just so that you will understand what all this is about. Now, we're not gonna get lost in all the details. Keep in mind, this is very high level. But to look back into the Old Testament, many of you know that Jerusalem was, was the home of the Israelites, God's chosen people. And in short, the Babylonian Empire, they, they campaigned to take over this city. And as this campaign built momentum, we know that they ended up invading Jerusalem. They end up tearing the temple that Solomon had built, the temple of God. They, they tore it down. But not only that, but they took the children of Israel into captivity. They took them into prison and took them back with them. And this is where the Israelites would spend the next 70 years. They would be under the Babylonians' reign. They would be under their authority. And so for 70 years, they were in captivity. They were in bondage. And so then after 70 years happened, the Babylonian power began to change hands. It went from King Nebuchadnezzar to it began to shift to King Cyrus of Persia. And so what I want you to do is I want you to turn to the book of Ezra and we're gonna look in chapter one because this is very, very important in the direction that we're headed for you to understand this morning what this is about. But in Ezra chapter one, and it's okay to look in the front to figure out what page it's on. It's fine because y'all all gonna be like, if I don't know where that's at, they'll think I'm unspiritual. Just look in the front. Just look in the front, it don't matter. Ain't no shame. It's 425 in my Bible. Probably don't help you very much. But in the book, look, see, I just called it out and y'all are so proud because y'all are all sitting there going, hope they don't see me looking in the very front. Look, Natalie, she's relating real quick. It's okay. The table of contents is there for a reason. It's fine. Take off your spiritual hat and let's just call it what it is. Yes, good gracious. That drives me nuts, but I'm guilty of it too. Ezra chapter one, and I want you to listen to what happens in verses two and three. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he, is the appointed, he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem which is in Judah. Verse three, whoever is among you of his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, 
He is the God who is in Jerusalem. I want us to stop right there, but the reason I want to stop there is because you see what's happening. Power has changed hands. God has opened King Cyrus's heart for some reason to announce to the children of Israel, hey, you can go. You're set free. I'm gonna send you back to Jerusalem, but what I want you to do is I want you to rebuild the kingdom of God. I want you to rebuild the temple that has been torn down. And what I wanna do for just a moment is just to sort of step into their world. Can you imagine after being in bondage for 70 years, thinking probably that this is where they were gonna die, that this would be the end of their life, Can you imagine the emotion they felt when they heard this announcement? Hey, you can go. You're set free. Can you imagine probably the emotions, the excitement, the awe of sitting there going, did did I hear what I just think I heard? We've been in prison for 70 years. We've been in bondage for 70 years. And now all of a sudden we're set free. You would have to believe that this is probably something that they've been praying about. Brandon spoke to it just a moment ago. Have they been praying? I don't really know. Have they been praying that they would be set free? Have they been praying that they would get to return back to their homeland? But I bet you they were excited. I bet you they were overwhelmed with thankfulness. And I think where we can connect to them, where we as followers of Christ can connect to the children of Israel, do you think back and remember the day you were saved by grace through faith? Do you remember what it felt like the day you realized, hey, there is a God who wants me. And if I place my faith in the finished work of what his son has done, I now belong to him. I remember when I was saved by grace at Riverbend Baptist Church, the only way I know to define it was free. I didn't even know I was carrying a weight until the weight was gone. And this is gonna sound cheesy, but it's just almost like you're flying. It's almost like you're floating because you have been set free from something that you didn't even know you were carrying the weight of. And in that, you're overwhelmed with thankfulness. You're overwhelmed with excitement. And I remember, I can go back to even at Davis Middle School, Charlie Miller, many of you probably know him. Charlie has been limited to a wheelchair for his entire life. And I remember the day that Charlie Miller gave his life to Jesus Christ. I was sitting in the weight room, getting ready for the day to start and And I could always hear the wheelchair, hear him flying across that gym floor. And then I heard him hit the threshold of my door. And I always called him Chuckles. I said, Chuckles, how you feel? He looked at me with tears rolling down his face. He said, Coach Hall, I feel like I'm flying. That's being set free. That is being set free. And I would venture to say that that's the very emotion and excitement that the children of Israel felt when they heard King Cyrus say, hey, you can go. You've been set free. 
But then you go to the other side. Okay, we've been set free. Praise God. Yes, we're born again. That's what we feel. But now all of a sudden, in the back of their mind, did they all of a sudden go to the next thing that he mentioned? You've been set free. You can go home. However, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and rebuild the temple. I want you to go back and I want you to rebuild the temple. You talk about a whole nother world of emotion. If they're anything like me, as a disciple of Christ, yes, I've been set free, but I also have the responsibility to continue to build the kingdom of God. And look, I want you to understand this. We can't build it. You do realize that. We can't build the kingdom of God, but what we can do is surrender to the master builder and say, I just wanna be a tool in your tool belt. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's electrical tape. I don't know if it's a hammer. I don't know if it's a chisel, but God, I wanna do whatever it is that I can do to build the temple, to rebuild your kingdom. And do you think for just a moment that those children of Israel, that those Israelites, that they, that they said, yes, praise God, we've been set free. But hey, did you hear what else he said we gotta do? We've got the responsibility to go back and rebuild the temple. Do you think there was feelings of inadequacy? Do you think there was feelings or emotions of being unqualified? Do you think there was probably emotions of feeling just, just not capable to finish the work? I think there is. And the reason that I say that is because look at what we read in verse four of Ezra chapter one. Every survivor, at whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, and together with a free will offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Now, some of you, you may read that and you think, well, what in the world is that about? What I wanna do very quickly is kind of just Again, 30,000 foot view, this, this journey back to Jerusalem from Babylon, there's some things that you need to know. This was not just a hop, skip, and a jump. This journey was gonna be a long journey. This journey was going to be a dangerous journey because remember, they vacated Jerusalem for 70 years and now they're being told to go back in. It's gonna be a dangerous journey. It's also gonna be an expensive journey. In this home that they're returning to, there is no home. They don't have a house they're going back to. They didn't have the resources to build this temple that they've been commanded to build. And many scholars believe that they didn't even have the skills to do it. And so what we read in that, in that verse four is we see here that this is speaking, what King Cyrus is speaking to is comforting them. He's saying, look, all you gotta do is take a step of faith. All you've gotta do is return home. And don't worry, because wherever you end up living, there's gonna be somebody there who's gonna provide everything that you need. Everything that you need. No matter how long the journey is, no matter how dangerous it is, no matter how expensive it is, because why we believe that he's speaking to all that stuff is that's the stuff they're wrestling with. All the I can'ts. 
How many times does God lead us in a direction and our first response is, I can't. I don't know how to do this. There's no way this is gonna be possible. But what we see, what the words of King Cyrus, he's saying, look, don't worry about all that. Because I'm gonna go before you would be the voice of God saying, hey, I've got it covered. I've got it covered. I just need you to take a step of faith. And it was almost like King Cyrus is saying, look, I know you're nervous. I know you're uncomfortable, but don't worry about all that. Everything that you're going to need is waiting on you. Everything that you need is gonna be provided and is gonna be waiting on you. You know, this is a lot of what we as Christians today wrestle with. Because as God calls us to be builders, as God calls you, as he calls me to build his kingdom here on earth, there's so many times we are overwhelmed with a feeling of inadequacy, that we can't do this, we can't afford that. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do that. And that's all of that fear that the enemy loves, that he loves to whisper. But what I wanna remind you of is the very thing that we read in the Great Commission last week. You go, you baptize, you teach all that I have commanded. Why? Because what does Jesus tell his disciples? I am with you. I am with you. And what somebody needs to hear this morning as God invites you to be a builder, you need to hear that still small voice. Don't fear, don't worry. I'm with you. I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go before you. I'm going to surround you. All I need you to do is to take that step. All I need you to do is to take that step of faith. But you know, that's very hard for some of you type A people to do. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I've shared this thought before because there's so many times that it would be so much easier if God would speak as to what we are to do. And then all of us checks and balances people, we sit back and we write everything down and say, oh yeah, he's provided. So because God has spoken, and now I see that he's provided, so whew, I can take a step of faith. Faith, really? But I want you to understand, that's not how it works in the economy of God. When God speaks, he wants us to take a step of faith, and then guess what happens? He provides. It would be a whole lot easier if God spoke, he provided, then we stepped. But that's not when God wants to, that's not how God wants to prove himself. He's saying, look, I want you to trust me when I speak, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you don't have the money, even when you don't feel like you can do it, I just want you to take a step of faith and then all of a sudden I want you to watch me take care of it. And so I wanna be a part of a church that when God lays something on our heart in the middle of a budget year, and we go to the books and we say, well, oh, you know what? That's not in the budget for this year. 
I wanna be that guy that says, so? If God has spoken, if God has spoken, all he wants us to do is take a step of faith and he will provide. This happened last year when we heard about the 40 orphans that were in India who had lost their mom and dad as a result of COVID. These 40 children are in a house with no one. They didn't have food, they didn't have education, they had nothing. And so as we saw that and we prayed, God said, that's what I want Chestnut Mountain to be a part of. I want Chestnut Mountain to adopt those. And guess what? It wasn't in the books. But you know what's always been amazing? You see people just come into the office during the week with tears rolling down their face. And they say, hey, you know what? God laid this on my heart. Here's a check for 10 grand to take care of the orphans. Here's a check for five grand to take care of the orphans. Guess what? It may have not been in our budget, but it was in his. And church, that's what God wants us to do. He's saying, hey, I want you to move when I speak. That's what we're seeing with the children of Israel. He's saying, look, all you gotta do is take that first step back home. You just go back home and watch everything else be taken care of. You go back home and watch everything else be taken care of. You know, but I think we, I would be selling you short if we didn't address another topic here or another potential situation. Because it would be very easy if we knew that when we were following Jesus, then we were stepping out on faith and he provided. All those things will happen, but what we forget to mention a lot of times is that when we take those steps of faith, even in the middle of his provision, it's not always gonna be easy. There's gonna be hurdles that we have to cross. There's gonna be obstacles that get in the way. And that's what we're gonna see that happens in the lives of these children of Israel. That it wasn't always gonna be easy because if it was easy, we would all do it. And that's what we see in the beginning is when the children of Israel returned back to Jerusalem, the Bible says that for the first two years, they worked their tails off. They saw God provide. They saw God provide the manpower. They saw God do everything that they believed he could do. And in two years, they had already laid the foundation. They had laid the foundation of this temple. And so they were on top of the world. Everything was going as planned. Everything was going smoothly. And everything was going the way that they had envisioned it. And for all of us, as long as we're taking steps of faith and everything goes the way we envision it, man, it's easy to keep going, ain't it? It's easy to keep moving forward. It's easy to keep being obedient when we don't have to face anything. This group was so excited. Look at what Ezra chapter three, verse 11 says. This is how excited these people were. This is how confident they were. Ezra chapter three, verse 11, it said, they sang, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good. 
His loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord had been laid. They were on top of the world. It was easy up to this point, some would say. Everything has gone as they planned. And I think we can all relate that when things go as planned, it's easy to praise. It's easy to shout. It's easy to be that living testimony of talking about all of the goodness of God. But then all of a sudden, what we're gonna see is some trouble came. You see, that region of Jerusalem became very upset with all that was going on, the rebuilding of the temple. And so in that region, in the northern part of Jerusalem, they, there was a group that got together and they said, you know what, we're gonna go join forces with them. But the reason we're gonna join forces with them is because we just wanna sabotage the work. We wanna stop doing. We want, we want to, we want to be a, a foothold. We want to cause a, a mess. We want to handicap the work that they're doing and praise God for the discernment of the leader of Zerubbabel and Joshua. We realized that they said, no, that's not going to happen. And so when they stopped this from happening, it obviously upset the people even more. And then what they begin to face is they begin to face every obstacle and every hurdle that that region had to offer to stop the building of the temple. You see, to put it simply, the enemy was not happy at the obedience of the children of Israel. The people were not happy watching God's children be obedient and be faithful. And can I go ahead and tell you today that as we all prepare our hearts to be builders, the enemy's not gonna be happy. All of a sudden, you're gonna face obstacles, you're gonna face hurdles that you may have never seen coming because he just wants to get in the way of what God's wanting to do through you and in you and how God's wanting you to be a part of building the kingdom. Think back on your personal experiences. Have you ever taken that step of faith that maybe you prayed for for years, you didn't have the courage, you didn't have the strength, you didn't feel that there was any possible way that you could ever do it, but finally, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you got to the point, you finally took that step of faith. And yes, with that, the freedom came. But now all of a sudden, in that moment of taking that step of faith, in the midst of that freedom, all of a sudden, you experience death. Somebody dies in your family. Now all of a sudden, maybe as a parent, your, your children go off the handle. Or maybe all of a sudden, your family falls apart. In the midst of taking that step of faith, maybe you lose your job and you begin to look around and a lot of us will sit there and go, wait a minute, God, this is not what I signed up for. As I was stepping my faith in, in, into ministry full time, I was getting ready to leave Davis Middle School. And as they're getting ready to announce me as the full time student pastor on Sunday morning, 
The Friday prior to that, we're in the hospital with my oldest son and I had no idea if he was gonna make it. I had no idea if he was gonna make it. But what I recognized is you gotta realize the enemy was not happy with what myself and my family was getting ready to do. And so he was gonna throw out every obstacle, every hurdle that he could to get me to doubt. Because you see, that's exactly what happened to the children of Israel. As these obstacles came, the Bible says, and we're gonna read it in just a minute, but it said that they became very discouraged and they became frightened. How many times that when we step out on faith and things begin to fall apart, all of a sudden we get discouraged and we get frightened and we look around and we say, God, this is not how I saw it going. And now all of a sudden it's not as easy to praise him right now. And while we were standing and praising him on the tips of our toes, now we may find ourselves on our knees in a place of humility saying, God, I don't understand this. And we find ourselves discouraged. We find ourselves frightened because that's exactly what happened to the children of Israel. You remember for the first two years, it was great. For the first two years, everything went smoothly. And then all of a sudden, they became so overwhelmed with discouragement. They became so frightened. It led to them doing nothing. And according to the scripture, the, the temple lied with just the foundation for 16 years. First two years, they were knocking it out. Now all of a sudden things go wrong. And for 16 years, they were so overwhelmed with discouragement. They were so overwhelmed with fear, it paralyzed them. And what they begin to do is they begin to lean back on their own flesh instead of leaning on their faith. You know, I would venture to say that in this room this morning that there's many of you who can relate to the children of Israel. You remember the day you got saved and you remember in that moment, all that excitement, all that joy, you felt like you could take on hell with a water pistol. There was so much zeal. There was so much excitement. And then all of a sudden, things begin to unravel. Not from a calling perspective, but from a worldly perspective. Things that you have to wrestle with here on this earth. And all of a sudden, you find yourself not excited anymore. You find yourself paralyzed. You find yourself angry with God. And there's no doubt in this room right now, some of you are in the midst of that 16 years. You're in the midst of that 16 years saying, look, I'm so discouraged, I'm so frustrated, I'm done. I'm mad at God. He doesn't need me, he can't use me. And for the last ever how long it is, you've been sitting here like this. It's always funny when I do this, you see the people who are sitting like this, they go, <laughs> they do. It's, I'm not directly talking to those who are sitting like this, I promise. But for whatever has gone on in your life, you're sitting there and you're, 
you're paralyzed. You don't have that joy. You don't have that excitement. You don't have that sense of purpose anymore. And it's it's simply because you leaned on your flesh when things fell apart. How do we respond when obstacles come? How do we respond when trials come? How do we respond when family stuff happens? How do we respond when church situations happen? How do we respond when our feelings get hurt? Do they lead to us being paralyzed? Or do they lead to us just having just a little more grit? Saying, I'm gonna keep being faithful to what God has called me to do. Flip to the book of Haggai right quick. I've got my page marked. You can look back in the table of contents again. Go to the right, and there's a couple of chapters before the New Testament, a couple of books before the New Testament. But just so that you understand the timing of all this, the book of Haggai actually takes place within the time frame of the book of Ezra. The two are kind of one in that they're speaking to the same thing, the same of events that were taking place. I love it. I, I, I have a coach's heart, so that's kind of what I call this guy. I call him Coach Haggai, because that's really what he's doing right here. If you look in chapter one, verses three and four, it says, then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet saying this, it is time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the house lies desolate. Now, that may not make sense to you unless we dig and we find out what he's talking about with these, these paneled houses. He's saying, look, you're, you're, you're lying in your paneled house while my temple lies desolate. What we have to realize, you remember that all the supplies would be provided, right? All the manpower was gonna be provided. All the finances were gonna be provided to build the temple. So why does Haggai speak to these paneled houses? You see, that's very, very important because the wood that he is specifically talking about is what we know as the cedars of Lebanon. These were very, very expensive timbers. And the reason that they were so expensive is because they had the ability to overcome decay. They didn't decay very quickly. But these cedars of Lebanon is what was being provided to the children of Israel to rebuild the temple. Very valuable products here to rebuild the temple. But what we read is that Haggai says, why in the world are you lying in your paneled houses? Because you see what the children of Israel have done? In that season of discouragement, in that season of fear, they have taken all of the resources that God has provided to rebuild the temple. And instead of building his temple, they have now focused to building their temple. They're taking all the supplies that were provided to build God's house. And instead they've turned inward and they're using it to build their own house. And Haggai's saying, hey, look, how is it that you're doing that? You know, and there's no doubt that there's a lot of you in this season of being discouraged, maybe this season of being frightened. The question I would ask you is what has God given you to build his temple? What has God given you to build his kingdom? What have you held on to? 
And what Haggai's calling them to do is he's saying, stop sitting on it and use it. Stop sitting on what, I've, what God has provided for you to build the kingdom of God. Stop sitting on it and using it for your own benefit and let go of and give it back to whose it rightfully is. That's the one who provided it. So there's some of you in this room right now that you can examine your heart, which we're gonna hear that in just a second. But many of you have forgotten along the journey the very things that you have. God is giving them to you to build his kingdom, not your own. You know, has God given you the ability to teach? Has God given you the ability to, or the gift of hospitality? Has God placed in you a, just a simple servant's heart? Has God given you a, a creative mind? Has God given you finances? Has God given you resources? What I wanna do this morning is remind you the very reason that you have all of those things is not for your own glory, but it's for his glory and his glory alone. Everything that you have is a gift from God. And when we realize that, it's a lot easier to give those gifts back. It's a lot easier to say, okay, I know who the giver is. And so therefore I'm gonna lay him back at his feet and say, God, whatever you've given me, God, I wanna use it. God, I wanna use it. But you see this morning, he's inviting you as a follower of Christ. He's inviting you to be a builder. He's inviting you to come alongside him. He's inviting you to follow him because he wants to use you. Everything that you have are the tools that he's given you to be used. But I think what a lot of us need today is we need a prophet like Haggai that can speak this word into us that tells us Stop sitting on it and use it. So if I were to ask you a question, I would wanna ask you, we're not, we don't have to read it, but if you wanna read verses five through seven, we see what Haggai's calling the children of Israel to do. Short of the long, he tells them, consider your ways. And what he's simply saying is, what do you have that God's given you? He says, consider your ways. Because what you're using it for, it's not gonna last. It's not going to last. But then he reminds them again, consider your ways. So what gift has God given you? What ability has God given you that he simply wants you to let go of and say, God, here it is. Use this to build your kingdom. You know, there may be some of you today that that's simply a story. That may simply be your testimony. God, here's my story. The very story that I'm ashamed of. 
The very story that I'm embarrassed of, God, I believe that I've walked through that because you want to use it to build your kingdom. But I would ask you that this morning in just a moment when we give an opportunity for you to respond is I want us to consider our ways because you know exactly what God's given you. The Holy Spirit's already speaking to you right now, right where you're sitting and you're going, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's what God's given me. That's what God's given me. And for whatever reason of discouragement, maybe frustration, you find yourself sitting on it. Maybe not using it at all, or maybe you're using it to build your own kingdom and to build your own glory. And look, I'll go ahead and warn you. As you begin to lay that at the feet of Jesus and you say, God, use me, you're gonna be just like the children of Israel. You're gonna be overwhelmed with emotions of the unknown. You're gonna be overwhelmed with the emotions of maybe fear. And the list could go on and on and on and on. But what you need to be reminded of is what the Lord Jesus says. I'm with you. I'm with you. And can I tell you the, the hardest step to take you all know is the first one. The hardest step to take is the first one. But what I think we all need to hear this morning, maybe as you consider your ways today, you've already become convicted Can you? because you're saying in your mind, I'm in that season of 16 years. I'm in that season of doing nothing. And you know what? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And as I've said so many times, and you're gonna hear it a thousand more times, if God saved you, he wants to use you. And if God has called you here, he didn't save you and send you here to sit. He saved you and sent you here to do what Haggai's calling the troops to do in chapter two, verses four and five. Some of you need to hear this. I'm gonna leave the names out just so it reads a little smoother, but he's encouraging Zerubbabel and Joshua. He says, but now take courage. Take courage. All you people of the land, all you people of Chestnut Mountain Church, take courage declares the Lord. You ready for this? And work. Take courage and work for I am with you, declares the Lord. As for the promise which I made to you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Are you ready for this? Do not fear. And the desire of my heart is I don't care if you feel discouraged. I don't care if you're scared out of your mind. But if you get nothing out of today, you take courage.
you take courage and you work because the Lord God is with you. And in that, this is why we have the ability to not fear. So there's some of you who are overwhelmed with fear. You're paralyzed by discouragement. And today what I'm asking you to do is consider your ways. What has God given you to build his kingdom? What has God placed in your hands to build his kingdom? And because of whatever circumstances in your life, you find yourself just sitting on them. You find yourself sitting on your hands instead of saying, God, here they are. Here they are. But as you say, here they are, obstacles are coming. Hurdles are coming. Because the enemy wants you to be paralyzed for 16 years. But what we've got to get back to is that first two years that the children of Israel experienced. The excitement, trusting in the faithfulness of God. And so what I want you to do this morning is I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to take courage. Next week, we're gonna have an opportunity to respond. Next week's gonna look a lot different than today. We're gonna have a time of worship. We're gonna have a, basically a summary of the last three weeks. And then we're gonna have tents set up all over the campus. We're gonna have booths set up all over the campus so that you can respond as to how the Holy Spirit leads you to respond. What is your role in being a builder? And look, the reality is, is your first step in being a builder today may be just to join a small group. That may be the start. But there's some of you today that God has gifted and skilled you beyond imagination and you've been sitting on it for 16 years and you need to get back to the reality that God saved you because he wants to use you. And you need to take courage. You need to take courage because the Lord God is with you and I challenge you today, do not fear. Do not fear because God is inviting you to build the kingdom. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org 
And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.